is up, you guys? I hope you are having an amazing, incredible day. Welcome back to the Happy Bod Squad pod. It's your girl, Coach Poco. And today I have the wonderful, the amazing, the energizer bunny herself, Coach Kate here. And we are going to talk about fueling for marathons and other long endurance events that come up. If you guys don't know this, Coach Kate is a marathon junkie. This was one of the fun facts that I remember from her from our very first conversation, our very first interview. And one of the things that made me so excited um, amongst the many reasons why I was so glad for Kate to come onto the team last year of uh, her running experience and story behind it. And so Coach Kate, how many how many marathons have you done now? I've done 27 because I just crossed Wisconsin off the list not too long ago. So got to hit 50. Yeah. So Kate's going for 50 marathons. She wants to do one in every single state. You know, I don't understand it, but I respect it. <laughs> it's the best okay, way. A lot of people don't. <laughs> yeah, it's the best way that I can, I, best way that I can describe that. So Kate, before we even dive in today, why would it be important for us to learn about this topic when it comes to training and fueling for these long distance running events? Well, I think that there's so much conflicting information and misleading information in terms of nutrition in general that's out mm -hmm. there. And when you get into more like nitty gritty specific events like marathons, it just gets more confusing. Yeah. And as much as I like hate to admit this, like truthfully, I feel like our new Google is social media and it's like people mm -hmm. just kind of, they, you know, go to Instagram or go to TikTok to find information instead of like researching it on actual like credible sites. So I do feel like it's really important to get like actual legitimate information out there. Um, obviously it's a really long time to be running or doing any type of event. So it's important to have that proper education um, that proper information to make sure that you are fueling properly Right. Um, and, you know, your body wasn't necessarily designed to run for 26 <laughs> miles. And so, you know, if you're if you're not fueling properly, you're going to hit the wall. You're going to have a miserable time. Um, you might not be able to finish. And that's the absolute worst feeling in the world. So um, mm -hmm. my goal with this podcast, I would really love for anyone that's training for any type of event. Again, it's not just strictly marathons. It could literally be anything that's longer than an hour of endurance, whether that's, you know, yeah. backpacking or hiking, swimming, whatever. Um, that's any type of endurance event. Right. Marathon, half marathon, 5k, 10k, triathlon, uh, Tough Mudder, you know, there's so many different Spartan races. Like there's so many different races and events out there and they're so, they're so cool to participate in at the same time, right? You get the whole community together, you come, you perform in this race, there's different tiers and it's not necessarily about, I think for a lot of our clients inside of the happy bod squad who decide that they want to do marathon, half marathon, 5k, 10k, it's not about placing in first and winning the race. It's more so about the battle of setting a goal and completing it and checking that off your bucket list, right? Even if you do a marathon, but you just walk it, you still get to say that you did a marathon. You know what I mean? So also if you're listening to this podcast being like, oh, well, I don't ever plan on doing that. That's totally cool. This can still give you some really awesome feedback on just different ways to fuel your body even if you don't plan on doing a long distance run or, or competition or anything like that, I think there's a lot of empowerment in setting a goal that feels impossible, training towards it, working towards it, and then accomplishing it in whatever way just makes the most sense and feels the best for you. 
And so for that, Kate, so now that we know why it's so important, what are the different things that we like want to focus on and think about? Cause you even say fueling for a marathon. It's so funny when I think of marathon training, the first thing I think of is, okay, I'm going to run one mile today and two miles next week, three miles a week after that. Most people wouldn't even think about the food. So why is it also really important for us to remember to focus on that at this point? Yeah. And that's a great point that you bring up. Honestly, my first couple of marathons that I did, I was so younger. I thought the exact same way. I thought about the fitness aspect of it, not so much about the fueling aspect, but your body can only hold so much glycogen at a time. And this number is not by any means set in stone, but there's so many variables that go into it, but typically it ranges from about 1800 to like 2000 calories worth of carbs that you're able to store in your liver and muscles at a time. And so when you let, like, let's say if you're doing like one mile equates to about a hundred calories, again, a lot of variables that go into that, but just yeah. for the sake of this, I mean, if you're not fueling at all, you're going to completely deplete that by mile 18 or 20, you're going to hit the wall. It's going to be this horrible, just like mental exhaustion, physical exhaustion, like legitimately feeling like you are hitting this brick wall. Like where the heck is this finish line? I don't think it exists. Like it's like this horrible mental fog that can happen when that glycogen Mm -hmm. completely depletes. Again, your body's not meant to go that long with that much energy expending without any type of fuel. So it is so important to make sure that you're properly fueling and to know the education behind it. You know, we talk about simple and complex carbohydrates in this program. We talk about the proper ways to fuel just for weight loss. And it's almost completely a hundred percent different when you're looking at marathon training, which is really interesting. Right. Because, you know, I don't know about you, but marathon training would not be my first choice when it comes to weight loss personally, just from a time and commitment perspective. But you're also talking to a girly who even in high school could never reach the, I think I hit the 10 minute mile once. And it was like literally nine minutes and 59 seconds. And I was huffing and puffing and like taking blows out of an inhaler after the fact, um, because I had it in 10 minutes, right. But I did it in under 10 minutes. And that was the fastest mile that I ever did in my entire life. And so, um, as we begin to think about that, what are those different proper ways to fuel for the marathon, as opposed to when you're just fueling for weight loss? So before I do get into macros, because that is a huge part of it, I also really want to mention iron. Iron is the Mm. only supplement that I personally take. Um, Mm. I'm not like a big red meat eater. I do eat a lot of like leafy greens, but definitely not enough to like get your, your daily requirement for iron. And when you are, and I think this applies to everyone in the program too, like not just marathon training, but especially if you're doing a lot of like moderate to vigorous exercise, you deplete your iron storage very quickly as well. And that's so important because it's carrying oxygen from your lungs to the other muscles in order to just keep you going. So without that, you're definitely limiting your aerobic capacity. Um, So before I even get into macros, I do want to touch on that. Um, So important to make sure that your iron levels are um, up to speed for sure. If not, maybe taking a supplement. Um, When it does come to your macros, I have heard so many people doing all sorts of crazy things that they've seen on TikTok, Instagram. I know I touched on this earlier. I had a friend who was asking me for marathon advice training a few goodness months ago at this point, and she was doing the keto diet, which if you're you know unfamiliar, very high in fat, very low in carbs. Carbs is your main energy source, right? It's the yeah. energy source that is preferred for like these long-term endurance runs. And so if you are taking that out of the equation, like you are going to hit the wall so stinking fast, especially when you're 
are going a little bit higher in fat, because that's just going to give you a lot of GI distress. That's certainly the more preferred energy source for your lower intensity activities or your rest and recovery, which is mm-hmm. definitely not what a marathon is. So with carbs being your most essential, you want carbs to be your highest in terms of percentages. Mm. Typically we look at about like 40, 30, 30, when you're doing marathon training, you're expending a lot of energy. You need to increase your calories and that needs to come mainly from your carb source. So you might get up to like 50, 30, 20, or even sometimes 60% of your calories coming from carbs. You don't by any means ever want to neglect your proteins and your fats. But when you do increase your calories, you want to make sure that those are coming from carbohydrates. And then when you're looking at carbohydrates, right, there's so many different types, but they kind of fall under these two umbrella terms of complex and simple complex being a little bit harder to digest. They give you more sustained energy versus Mm -hmm. simple. It's like that quick energy. It's that instant satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we're doing a weight loss program, we tend to focus more on complex carbohydrates, but when you're getting ready for a run, you want to avoid the complex carbohydrates. You want to go for the simple. You want those quick energy, especially when you're actually running the Mm. race. So something I really wanted to touch on was carb loading, um, because I do think there's a lot of misinformation out there when it comes to carb loading. Um, The night before a marathon, you need to make sure that you are increasing your carbs, right? You want to get that storage as high as you can, but there is a cap there eventually, right? You cannot just keep taking in carbs. I've had people that like ask, like, I just want to go to Olive Garden and eat, you know, the all you can eat pasta to the point where it looks like they're going to like throw up at the table, like just trying to like intake as much as humanly possible, but you have a cap there. Right. And so you want to, if you are increasing your calories, as you're doing this Mm -hmm. race, you should be set for carbs. If you just have like a normal meal the night before. Okay, cool. my typical go-to is like a chicken bruschetta pizza. If you're like on my roster, you know, like bruschetta is like my favorite food in like the whole entire world. And it's very carb heavy as well. So you add like a little protein in there and then you definitely got the carb source from the bread as well. So that's like one of my absolute go-tos and I'm not like overdoing it. I'm not eating like this entire pizza to like carb load, but it's more just like, you know, maybe two or three pieces to try to get in as much glycogen as I can in my liver overnight. That way it can be dispersed out to my muscles in the morning. Okay, cool. So we want to increase our carbs more so than the average amount, which as we naturally just increase our calories would make sense. And we actually want to incorporate some more simple carbs in addition to the complex carbs. Can you just give us some examples of what the simple carbs that we would want to incorporate would be? Oh, absolutely. Um, so my like go-to, especially like morning of the race, like typically you should have your simple carbohydrates, I'd say like two to three hours prior um, to starting your event. And my go-to, you want to aim for about a hundred grams of carbs, which seems overwhelming, but I go for a bagel, a little bit of peanut butter and a banana, a bagel in and of itself is like 50 grams of carbs. The banana is usually around like 25, throwing a little peanut butter, maybe a little bit of orange juice in there, you know, just to bump up your carbs a little bit more, all great examples of some simple carbohydrates. That's just easily digestible, goes through you really quickly. It's not going to keep you as full for as long, but that's not the goal because the worst thing that can happen is if you're having foods really high in fiber or, you know, leafy greens, things that we typically recommend for people to have. But if you're having that on race day, carbs, they just have so much water in them. And it's just going to cause this water retention. It's going to cause this lethargia, this fatigue, this like bloating feeling, which is like the absolute worst feeling in the world for when you're about to start a race. 
And then when you're actually doing the race, if you're anything like me, I cannot intake food when I'm running. It's freaking hard, but you need to be intaking about 200 calories per hour of food and about your body weight divided by four is how many grams of carbs you should be intaking. So with that being said, if you, if you're like me, you can't just like take in normal food. There's different consistencies of things that you can take in. So you could do, um, I'm a big fan of the, it's a called goo G U, And it's like the consistency of like frosting, like these little packets that are like 25, 30 grams of carbs. They have them in like little blocks, like little gummies, stuff like that candy, dried fruit, anything along those lines that gives you that quick burst of energy that's going to keep you going through the race, especially if you cannot handle solid food, gummies, or like that goo that can uh, frosting consistency is a really good option. Right. Okay. Because this is really interesting because, you know, we always talk in the program about food is our fuel, right? And I think everyone knows food is fuel, food is fuel, whatever, whatever. But it's so cool hearing about you talk about the training concept for a massive event because it's it's quite literally you are eating throughout the race to fuel your body. Your body is like a car and calories are like the gas that goes into the tank of the car. And if you're driving the car for a super long distance, much longer than the car is used to, you need to refill the tank every single hour. And so looking at it from that perspective and knowing how I refill my tank is going to be different than coach Kate, which is going to be different from, you know, Becky from accounting. It it, it all looks different (laughs) um, for us at the end of the day. And you know, I'm sure a common question or fear or concern that clients would have is like, well, dang, you know, if I'm increasing my calories during the training process and during the race, will that, will that cause me to gain weight eating this many carbs and calories? So it definitely can. There's like a yes and no to this. Um, if you do gain weight, there's two reasons why one, you might be justifying eating more simple carbohydrates after your run after your run is when you want that long-term satisfaction. You want those complex carbs. You don't want that instant energy. You don't need it anymore. You need to replenish. You need complex carbohydrates. You need a little bit of fat. You need a lot of protein in Mm -hmm. order to help rebuild those muscles from all of that, that you just put all that energy and all that force you just put on your body. So if you're justifying eating simple carbohydrates directly after your run, you're definitely going to be considering more like a bagel versus grabbing like a salad because it's a lot easier. It's a lot quicker, but you're not thinking about, okay, like, let's say you did five miles. Let's say that equates to about 500 calories, a bagel. Like if you went out and grabbed one from like McDonald's that easily could end up being 500 calories right there. And you just kind of undo everything that you just did. Um, no, at the same time though, because you're gradually increasing your calories with nourishing foods as well. And when the running distance increases, you are increasing with carbohydrates, which is your fuel. A personal story I really like to share with my clients. So if you're on my roster, you've probably heard this. Um, when I did a marathon in college, I was helping a master's student um, knock out his thesis. And he took like a group of 30 of us that were doing a race together. And he split us into two groups, one that was just focusing on the endurance aspect and one that was focusing on endurance and also the resistance training. So he was having us train like three or four times a week. It was just quick, like 30 minute resistance training session. Mm-hmm. I actually ended up gaining about four pounds from like the course of like a 16 week training, but I lost 3% body fat and I gained skeletal muscle mass. I had no idea how much I gained. I really don't remember. It was 
quite a long time ago. Um, But the point is like, you know, when you're actually, we did like a DEXA scan. So we were able to see like that body composition. So you might be gaining weight because you're not properly fueling your body, or you might be gaining weight because you're gaining so much more muscle. If you're adding resistance training, or if you're just not used to running, running, especially when you're doing that amount of mileage, like if you're marathon training correctly, you're getting up to like 50 miles over the course of a week towards the peak of it. That's a lot. That's a lot of skeletal muscle buildup in your lower body and your glutes, your hamstrings, your quads, you know, your hip flexors in general, your core, it's a full body workout. Um, so with that, you need to make sure that you are replenishing for it, but you're also probably still going to gain some weight from muscle mass and that's completely okay. Right. I mean, it's completely normal during the process, right? And as you just eat more carbs, you retain more water weight on a daily basis. So you might see the scale go up, but body fat percentage remain more or less the same. And how cool is it that you saw scale go up, but body fat go down? Because of course you were building muscle. You were creating that lean muscle mass as well throughout this really heavy training process. And so I know we've talked a lot about the nutrition aspect so far. And we talked a little bit about even just like avoiding hitting that wall by making sure that we're eating these like snacks or these goos throughout our race as well. What are the, are there any other things for us to talk about in terms of like the proper way to train for a marathon? Yeah. So when you're training for a marathon, ideally you want to give yourself at least 16 to 20 weeks, which equates to about four to five months. Um, if you have more time, I mean, that's amazing, but anything less than that, it can be a little risky. Um, you want to make sure you're giving yourself adequate amount of time because you're not just focusing on endurance. You want to look at this from a more holistic approach. You want to look at it from training from all different types, right? So you want to focus on hills. You want to do sprints. Um, you want to do the long endurance runs, but then you also want to do resistance training. So there's a lot that goes into this in order to help with the, you know, decreasing the risk of injury to improve fatigue resistance, to increase your power output, um, preparing for the course. You want to make sure that you're looking at that ahead of time. So, you know, if there's hills and even if there aren't, that's something that'll definitely benefit you if you add it into your training. And then obviously the endurance long runs, you want to focus on and doing endurance long runs, maybe just once a week. What I like to do is no more than four times a week of running. I'll do a shorter run Monday, slightly longer Tuesday, back to my shorter run Thursday. And then Mm -hmm. Saturday is my long run. Sunday is a complete rest day. Wednesday is typically like an active recovery. Maybe I'll do resistance training. Maybe I'll do like yoga, Pilates, something along those lines. But you want to make sure you're not overwhelming yourself with those long distance runs. Your body needs that time to recover. You need to prioritize recovery as much as you would the actual long run. If you're not, you are definitely increasing your risk of injury, but also increasing your risk of burnout. That like peak is probably going to be about, like I said earlier, like 50 miles over the course of the entire week. And then you start decreasing back down and those final like three weeks, you're just tapering. You're barely doing any mileage at all. Those final three weeks, you're just trying to build up your glycogen storage. You're focusing more on nutrition. You're doing more walks. You may be doing more like inclines, but like power walking type things, but you're not focusing on long-term runs. Those final three weeks. Yeah, exactly. So there's this this training, this touch and go that we really want to go through where we're increasing and decreasing the strain on the body throughout this process for exactly like you said, to avoid injury. Because if we go too hard, too fast, we want to, we run a very high risk of injuring ourselves and not only not being able to complete the race quickly, but not being able to participate in the race at all. 
And this is no stranger to clients inside of the happy bod squad is that fear of injury, whether it's training for a race, a run, or whether it's just going to the gym or working out from home. And so what are your best tips for avoiding injury when training for any type of event? Oh my goodness. Proper recovery, proper rest. Um, I always say like, you should prioritize that as much as you are prioritizing your long term runs. It's just, it's the same with muscle mass building. Like you want to make sure that you're giving yourself at least 48 hours in between like the same muscle group, because you are doing the same thing with running. You're gently tearing those muscle fibers and you need to give it time to grow back and grow back stronger. If you're not doing that, it's just going to keep tearing. You're going to get injured. Um, so this high volume of training, you know, it it requires more energy or I'm sorry, it requires more recovery time. It requires more sleep, Mm -hmm. right? You need to make sure you're getting adequate sleep, like seven to eight hours a night, like bare minimal, um, focusing on massages, foam rolling. I'm a huge advocate of foam rolling that myofascial release for like lower body. Oh my goodness. That's like the best. It's like the storm before the calm, like right after you knock out like a long run. Yeah. That is so insanely important, but then also probably like the last thing you're thinking about when you're running a marathon, but when you're in the training process, make sure you're really focusing on proper form, right? You want to make sure you're looking straight ahead. It's so easy to like look down, especially if you're doing trail running, you don't want to like trip over anything. Mm -hmm. Um, You certainly don't want to injure yourself that way, but your head also weighs about seven to nine pounds. So when you are looking down, you're just adding so much extra weight that you do not need when you're doing a marathon that's now pulling on your torso. It's pulling it down and forward. You want to relax your shoulders. It is one of the biggest things I see just in-person training too. It's just when you shrug your shoulders, you're really overworking your traps and they are already so, so overworked. And when you're doing something like a marathon, you are overworking your muscles as it is. You certainly don't want to do more. So you want to relax your shoulders down and back. You want to make sure your arms are just swinging like freely, naturally making sure your core is engaged. You're really like bracing your stomach. Like you're about to Mm -hmm. just like be punched in the stomach. And then again, make sure, please, please, please. If you're doing a marathon, have any type of endurance by a foam roller, helping with that mild. (laughs) Yes, you need it. This episode is brought to you by Foam Rollers Incorporated. I know they're paying me for this. You just didn't know. I knew Um, it. (laughs) You got to make sure you're working out the pain and soreness from that tightness from those muscle knots. Like it is though, it's not a comfortable feeling, but like one of the biggest injuries, one of the biggest injuries I see from marathon training. And unfortunately I'm guilty of having it myself really tight and irritated IT bands from lack of foam rolling your IT band running like right from your hip all the way down like the side of your leg to your knee. It can become so freaking tight from lifting, but also from running. But when you're running on it, obviously it's just going to get more and more tight. And then it gets to the point where it's hard to walk. Like Mm. you just feel like you're like robotic when you're walking and it is by far the most painful spot to foam roll. But I promise Mm. it is so much better than being injured or having to quit the race early because your IT bands are just so stinking tight that you cannot even walk forward. Exactly. It's a short-term sacrifice for a long-term gain. And I remember the first time I ever foam rolled, this was like back early, early stages of my fitness journey in Jen's gym. I remember doing it and being like, this is a joke, right? This is the most painful thing that I've ever done in my entire life because it's so hard. And I was like, why are, why is everyone in the fitness industry obsessed with this? Why do people do this? This is insane. People are psychotic. I knew, I knew people who liked fitness were crazy. I just needed the confirmation and the affirmation, 
but I kept doing it because I knew that it was supposed to be good for you. I kept the faith and I remember doing it maybe consistently for two weeks. And after doing it consistently for two weeks, I found so much relief and like pleasure for lack of a better word in the foam roller. I was oh my God, this feels amazing. I totally get it. This feels so good. But I'll tell you like that first week or two, it's just like muscle soreness. The first time you start working out, it's muscle soreness from foam rolling. It's really painful. You're going to question, you're going to wonder why do people do this? Why is the foam so hard? You're going to think the people with the ribbed like foam rollers that have the little divots and sort of so painful, like <laughs> actual sociopaths who are going to murder you in your sleep. Like <laughs> that is what I think. I still feel that way a little bit about the ribbed uh, foam rolling people a little bit. I don't know if this morning on the glutes and oh dear Lord, it does hurt. It is, but it's again, the storm before the calm, they feel fabulous now. This is why I'm glad that you live in a state very, very far away. Uh, (laughs) I can just imagine Kate, like knocking on my door for the morning time to foam roll, Jan. And you've got the ribbed one. Are you ready for our 18 mile run? Let's go. 18 mile (laughs) run. If you don't get out of bed in the next five minutes, we're going for a 20 mile run and doing the the rigid foam (laughs) roll. And then burpees at the end. (laughs) And then, yeah. And then burpees at the end. And then we're going to go eat a bunch of goo, as you call it. (laughs) That's Um, literally, that's the name of it. It's called goo. It's the brand. (laughs) No, I mean, it's a funny name. It's hilarious. Um, no, seriously. And you know, the important thing to remember too, is like, it takes a baby steps, right? Everything is a process. The fact that you said, give yourself four to five months to train for something like this is really important. I think a lot of people sign up for races and events haphazardly and just like, oh, it'll be fine. Like my boyfriend loves telling the story about him and his cousin both signed up for a triathlon together in LA. And he being the planner that he is spent the next four months training for this triathlon, like every single day, he was either swimming or biking or running. This was before we met. Um, and you know, it gets to the, gets to the like week before the event, he texts his cousin and he's like, Hey, hey bro. Hey dude, you excited for the race? Like I've been training so hard. I'm feeling so good. Da, 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 da. And then his cousin goes, wait, you were training for this. <laughs> and he was, was like, gonna wing it. <laughs> he was like, you weren't. And he was like, yeah, it was just to see if I could do it. I didn't, I wasn't like practicing that like ruins the fun. Ruins the fun. That's a different way to look at it. I suppose. Whether or not you can actually complete it, which I just thought was so hilarious. And honestly, now that I know his cousin, it's like so on brand for him. And you know what he completed? It took him a lot longer. Um, (laughs) A little sore after the fact. Probably super sore after the fact. Um, And you're listening. Don't do that. (laughs) Please do not do that. Um, and you definitely do want to be eating enough calories. Cause I know, you know, as a six foot three man, obviously he burns more calories than like the average five, five female, but I'm pretty sure his watch stats said somewhere between five and 6,000 calories burned during his triathlon race. Yeah. Um, so it's crazy. So obviously again, you don't have to be eating 6,000 calories if you're training for a marathon. In fact, I think that just sounds really uncomfortable and unpleasant, but just to give you a frame of reference in case you're freaked out about eating more carbs, eating more calories. Yes, you can. You've got this and you're amazing. And so coach Kate, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today sharing this story, sharing how you feel for marathons, how other clients can feel for it, or just long endurance events, right? 5k, 10k, half marathon. It doesn't just have to be, you know, this many 20, what is it? 26 miles. Yep. 26.2. 
26.2 miles. They just really threw that point two in there just to fuck with people. It gets you. It really does. You like see the finish line, but you're not quite there yet. And you're like, it just looks so far away. Hilarious. That extra point two. <laughs> we are amazing. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Ladies, if you enjoyed this episode, send Coach Kate some love. Come to her office hours, send her a message on Slack, send her a message in the app. Let her know that you enjoyed it and you appreciate her. Have an amazing, incredible rest of your day, squad. And always, always, always remember that the best is yet to come.